Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. We got to pay attention during these times. With Grainy and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. High voice guy for no reason. Never understood it. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. The gang's back together, Ed Tyler. <laughs> critiquing yourself? <laughs> yeah. Jared Whacking that thing around? Jared and Kira, uh, yeah. Well, it's just embarrassing. I don't know why the high voice ever comes What's out. happened? Like, the last couple of weeks, you've been, like, randomly critiquing your own voice during yeah. our rejoins. It's just, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's, I don't know what happens. Since Festivus. <laughs> I get excited. Excited to be here. It's what did somebody time. say on Festivus? I, I that's what I thought that was one. Oh, of did the... someone rip my voice? No, I was the okay, uncle. I, guess, I was yeah. the uncle sitting on the couch yeah. watching television. Yeah. All right, so no, never mind. You're, he's just doing his own self critique. He's just listening to these rejoins, oh, disgusted in his own voice. Apparently, yeah. the only thing I'm not disgusted is whacking that thing around because it is me, and you've <laughs> never believed it <laughs> is whacking that thing around. No. No. He literally, it's the exact same. Exact. He's it's just the exact same it. thing. Ed was a uh, was an actor at one point. He can mimic voices. <laughs> Child actor. Well, might as well go into it. The Raiders are doing well for themselves. The first bite. First bite today is brought to you by Chick Fil A. What is wrong with the Raiders? It's the town, Tyler. Oh, it's the boy. city. It's the town. We're aware of what city we're in. Yeah, you can't. We're aware of what city and what can happen late at night. This team has had one of the most unbelievable seasons just off the field. If you if they didn't if they hadn't played a single game this year, everything that's happened to them off the field is is remarkable. I mean, yeah. even you go back to the beginning before the season starts. You have Mark Bedain, the president of the organization, resign along with the CFO and the club controller, right? And there's we still haven't really gotten a story, an actual answers on what happened here, but potentially not paying taxes or paying too many taxes. We're still not really sure. Then in season, you have John Gruden's emails and John Gruden resigning. You have Henry Ruggs' DUI crash that killed a woman. You have Damon Arnett released shortly after that because he's on... Uh, Twitter waving guns around, threatening somebody. And now we have Nate Hobbs, who gets arrested for DUI. Now, the police report says he was in his car in the parking garage at the Cromwell when police found him. So I guess the good news is he wasn't driving down the street like Henry Ruggs was. But how? How has this organization had so many off-field problems that are just people being morons which what we said yesterday when i talked to you yesterday about how does all this happen and they're a game away from the playoffs um in a weird sort of way credit to the people on the field but off the field it's been a complete disaster let's go to nate hobbs like you just said fall asleep and found asleep in his car we figured out they charter obviously they left indianapolis at the earliest seven o'clock i said one starts at one game to four thirty. they have to shower they have to do their media availabilities um, and there were a lot of media availabilities the other day. Took a while, so let's say they left at seven. It's four hours home. You get three hours back, so it's uh, uh, safely eight eight thirty that he gets back. 
And Nate Hobbs on that night decides to head to the Gromwell and get drunk Go and to the sleep Cromwell. in his car. Yeah. After what happened with Henry Ruggs? That's the part that's Are you serious? That's kind of unbelievable to me. Yeah. That you had a teammate two months ago. Two months ago. DUI crash killed somebody. Yeah. Two months ago. And sure, Nate Hobbs wasn't driving down the road. But what like what how? How is that even how is that even possible? How is it even possible that you can have a teammate of Henry Ruggs not be like, hey, okay, I'm gonna go out drinking. You're coming with me to be my designated driver. Yes. Or I'm going to call you and you're going to yes. come get me at whatever time. I, like, how? How is that not how this is, this is handled by anybody that's on the Raiders? You know he's irresponsible, one. But you know I would have to think, and if not, it was completely irresponsible by the team. After the Henry Reg situation, it was reiterated in that locker room. I would think. I would hope I would so. Th- I would hope so. That, you know, call me, call somebody. Carr is the leader. Carr has said yeah. in the past, "Here's my cell phone. You call me. I, I, there are no questions asked. There are no. I, I ask no questions. Someone will come get you." And he was still irresponsible enough to do that. And he wouldn't. And he didn't call anyone. Yeah. Uh, this is interesting because the attorney for him said, and I don't know this. We'll have to look this up in Nevada law. We were talking about it before the show. His attorney saying because he was found sleeping in the car and not driving, it might not be why. But still, he failed field sobriety tests. He was inebriated while he was sleeping in his car. I will say that the field sobriety test is not the be-all, end-all, but he did refuse the breathalyzer and the blood test, yes. which is a basically an automatic, like, oh, okay, well, then you're yes. getting a DUI. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know how this happens. I, the irresponsibility, and, you know, we, we made fun coming in, but the quote from Rich Bisaccia is borderline ignorant. I'm sorry, in terms of insinuating that the city and the town has anything to do with this, these are just irresponsible people. Henry Ruggs was completely irresponsible, and his crash killed someone. Nate Hobbs, if in fact these are the facts of the story, was irresponsible. There's nothing to be in Las Vegas. Heck, Jared before the show, no, you before the show, said somewhere in Wyoming is the most DUIs per 1,000 people. I've been to Wyoming a million times covering things. I've been to Laramie. I haven't been to the town you talked about. If it can happen in those places, it can happen anywhere. And I just, I just think Rich Pisaccia, maybe he slipped, maybe he didn't understand what he was saying yesterday, but giving any kind of hint that they know what town they're in and that has anything to do with this it is just a silly statement on so many levels. Yeah, and that is something that we hear from the outside quite a bit. We've heard it after Henry Ruggs and now after this. Yes. That it's, uh, it's, what it's, you the town. When, it's what you get when you put a team in Las Vegas when in reality that's what you get when you bring morons to the team. Yeah. Which... Here's my question for you. At what point does Mike Mayock have to be punished for this? Because they have brought in a lot of people who have done a lot of dumb stuff, right? You can go back to Josh Jacobs, who wasn't officially charged with DUI. He got arrested. The police officer said he was impaired, but his blood alcohol content came back under the legal limit. So even though he crashed his own card in the airport connector, he didn't get a DUI. But you have Josh Jacobs, you have Henry Ruggs, you have Damon Arnett, and you have Damon... uh, Nate Hobbs now. Like, at what point do we look at this and say, what the hell is Mike Mayock doing, and when does he get punished for continually bringing in not just bad football players, we've seen plenty of that, but people off the field that can't keep it together. Like, at what point do we go to the GM and say, this is a problem that's too big. You can't keep bringing in people that are going to embarrass the organization over and over and over. I'd hope Mark Davis has already had that conversation, and if they let him go for many reasons, not only the off-field things, uh, but... 
you know, uh, in terms of on field, they might make the playoffs. I get that, but I still think he's coming back. I st- I think that's the one decision that has already been decided. I think Mike Mayock's going to be the GM next year, and I don't know who the head coach is going to be, and I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. But I think Mike Mayock's coming back, and it doesn't appear Mike Mayock has been held responsible for a lot of this, if not any of no, this. No, did not if at all. Not any of this. Yeah, not at all. I mean, so far, not at all. And I guess this all goes back to you know who had control of who was drafting who. Yes. But at the end of the day, yes. I don't care who had control. Like if you're an organization and you say, "Hey, this guy's got some red flags. We shouldn't draft this guy because he's got off-field concerns." Like. That's not that's not just a hey John Gruden wanted this player. That's an organizational failure. Like that's a top to bottom organizational failure when you continue to bring in guys that are going to do this. Like this it, it, to have four to have four guys do something stupid like that within the span of like the two years they've been here. That's like unacceptable, completely unacceptable from an organization. When remember the first draft Mike Mayock had, what was he preaching about? Character, oh, character, character. 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 These are going to be great leaders in the locker room. That was the day after, and he hasn't done anything since he's been here, but we know the past. That was the day after they signed Richie Incognito. Yeah. And we wanted character. And it's like, uh, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Now, again, he hasn't done anything since he's been here that we know of. He's been hurt, mostly, because we haven't heard from him uh, the entire season. But that was the ironic part when they started talking about character, and that was one of the first moves they made. And Incognito's been one of the best moves they've made for character, it looks like. exactly. So I just, I don't know. And again, I... I don't think Mark Davis cares like to to bring it to Mike Mayock, right? I don't think Mark Davis cares to bring it to Mike Mayock's attention. Like Mark Davis has shown this year, he doesn't care about character. Between Steve Wynn lighting the torch because, oh, he helped me get this stadium and not firing John Gruden when he got all those emails, Mark Davis right. has shown he doesn't care about character. That has not been a priority for Mark Davis this year. And now we're talking about another player on this team being arrested for DUI. I don't think Mark Davis cares until he does something to show us he cares. Right. There's no reason to it's think he point. does. It's a good point. He hasn't the entire time. So, like, as an organization, the, I don't know that he cares, and I don't know that there's any punishment that gets doled out to the people that continue to bring in a Nate Hobbs, a Damon Arnett, a Henry Ruggs, a Josh Jacobs. Well, and I'm not going to be surprised at all if behind the scenes that one of the reasons that I think Mayock's coming back is that what you just said a little earlier I think he's giving off the feeling that he didn't make any of those decisions that, Hey, John was in charge. John, John, I, you know, I gave my opinion on draft picks because God, I hope he at least gave his opinion on draft picks. I don't know what else he would have been there for, (laughs) but in the end, John decided to draft these guys and it's on John. And maybe that's enough for Davis to say, okay, it was on John. So we're going to bring Mayock back and he's going to be my GM on field wise. I can buy that. If you can say, Hey, John Gruden loved Cleveland Furl. John Gruden loved Jonathan Abram. He like if you loved said Damon Arnett. Right. On field, John Gruden loved these guys. He thought he could make them work. He didn't. He failed. That's on him, not on me. I get that. But the off field stuff, that's not just on John Gruden. The off field stuff's the entire organization. Yes. That's Mike Mack. If we go back, remember, John Gruden resigns. Mark Davis never gave a press conference. Mike Mayock did. One of the things Mike Mayock referenced because he was trying to defend Mark Davis and Mark Davis's, you know, character or whatever. He said that if they were drafting or signing a player that had character concerns, he had to go to Mark Davis's office and be like, here's the pros. Here's the cons. Here's why we think we can take this guy. And it still works. That process clearly does not work. Clearly does not work. It's a complete failure. Right. Because they have screwed it up so many times. So many times over the last three years, it's unbelievable how bad their process is. So from an organ, to me, the whole, it's an organizational failure. 
Like complete failure from top to bottom where I don't think Mark Davis has shown that he cares. I don't think Mike Mayock has proven that whatever process to evaluate character hasn't worked. And whether or not you want it to be, hey, John Gruden was the one who drafted him out. That to me doesn't matter when we're talking about off-field stuff. If we're talking about, hey, Jonathan Abram can't cover in a cover two or Cleveland Furl can't get to the, like, okay, fine. John Gruden wanted those guys. But when we're talking about guys repeatedly getting DUIs, well, that's, that's not just a coach evaluation. That's an entire organization that should be able to step Especially now. John Gruden's been gone. Right. He's, it's, this isn't, I mean, John Gruden's been gone for a while, and these things continue to happen. I mean, Mike Mayock's the one who released Damon Arnett. He released Henry Ruggs. Nate Hobbs gets the DUI. That's, that's more Mike Mayock. John Gruden's right. not here anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, to me, top to bottom, the organization's got massive issues, massive flaws that continue to show because – Whatever their priorities there either aren't good or they're not exactly making them clear enough that it actually rubs off on the players in a positive way. All right, coming up next. What are we doing next? Oh, the Golden Knights. Is Cody Glass coming back? Does he get a tribute video? It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. We gotta stay positive. Cody Glass gets a tribute video tonight, even if he's he still in the, I don't think so. I think he's in the AHL. I think he's in the AHL, but they should still do it. The Predators should bring him just for this game. Call him up just for Maybe the video he's on, tribute. Oh, we got to look this up. He's got to be on like their taxi squad, right? You can have a taxi squad. I mean, it would be a really, really bad miss by both organizations if he couldn't make the taxi squad. That's true. I'm and he just, gets. He's got to. He's got to develop more. He clearly didn't get enough time in the AHL <laughs> with the Golden Knights. Clearly wasn't enough. All right. According to December 27th uh, press release here, I do not see Cody Glass on their taxi squad. My goodness. So. I don't even think you can justify a video then. You can't justify on. it. You know, you, I don't think. What would it be? Them justify. picking what him? What would it be? Yes. Like, it would just be like a and continuation like, of him then, standing with McPhee with that jersey on draft yeah. night. And like those eight games he played with Mark Stone and had like a bunch of assists. Yeah. He had, didn't, he, didn't that kid have a lot of assists on the power play? Yes. A lot of power play points. Yeah. Well, can't believe they traded. They've been good at the power play. Lately. For like a month lately, and a half yes. almost. They've been good at the power play. But this is this is a big week of tribute videos. Oh, this is huge. Ryan Reeves and Gerard Gallant Thursday. And then Marc-Andre Fleury Saturday. Now, they split Stasny and Schmidt and did it at the same time. Will they do they Reeves might. and Turk at the same time? They might. Um, Reeves was so popular, but that is the one thing is Ryan Reeves. Was so, really was Nate, so was Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt. That's was, true. That's true. And they split him with Stasny. Yeah. He was not as popular as Nate Schmidt. You could tell when they ended the video and said, "Please welcome back Paul Stasny." He's like, and Nate Schmidt. Ah! Like it was like the <laughs> the difference in decibel to the crowd when yeah. Nate Schmidt was introduced was a bit bit higher. But I do think they both deserve their own. Ryan oh, Reeves Gerard and, 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 and Reeves. I think they both okay. deserve they, their own, but they probably will split it just because you don't want your home crowd cheering for the other team that like, many times, like twice during yes. a game. Like maybe just one time is yeah, okay. We, yeah, congrats, you're back, but maybe not twice during a game. Now, injuries. This team ever going to be healthy? Mark Stone know. and Robin does this, Leonard. Does this matter? <laughs> yeah, probably matter? not. They, they returned to practice yesterday. Stone was in a non-contact jersey, but then Pete DeBoer said both of them are doubtful to today, for today's game against Nashville. Uh, Max Pacioretty had his wrist surgery. Jack Eichel's obviously still out. Alec Martinez 
is still out. Like, I feel like a week ago, I was just being like, hey, this team's back. They're yeah. healthy. Everything's going to be fine. Beating everybody, killing everybody. And and now, uh, no, they're not healthy. And I'm just, they're just never going to be healthy. I liked your tweet the other day because DeBoer said Max has had, <laughs> Max has had wrist surgery. We won't even count on him for a month. And then did he say like he's week to week? He's week to week. He's like, and you're like, you're tweeting. Wasn't that month to month? It should be month. The to guy month. had wrist surgery. He's not coming back in a week. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to come back in a month. Usually that stuff is like four to six, four to eight weeks. If you say a guy is day to day, that means he could literally be back within one day, right? And and no more than like four or five days, right? If you say a guy right. is week to week, that means he could be back in one week, right? If you say Max Pacioretty's week to week, you're lying because yes. he's going to be out you said for at least a month. counting on him for another month. Yes. Where does this put him on the horizon? Oh, oh he's not, not even, even close. close. No, he's not even close to the horizon. Yeah. No. 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 Cast equals non-horizon. And I'm assuming he has a <laughs> I'm assuming he has some kind of cast or wrap around given he but, just had surgery. But Jack Eichel is on the horizon? No, Mark no. Stone's on the horizon because oh, okay. no. he returned Mark to Stone practice, is. but is in a non-contact. Robin Leonard might they're, be closer yeah. to anyone on the horizon. Yeah, they're stones on the horizon. Robin Leonard's like a little closer than the horizon. <laughs> Max Eichel and Pacioretty, we can't we can't, can't see, even them. see him. Can't even is, see him. Is yet. Eichel even in Vegas? Not yet. Okay. So Kelly McCrimmon talked during to Darren Millard talked during the AT and T Sportsnet halftime show, a halftime intermission show of their last game. Gave a couple of quotes. One, Jack Eichel's rehab has gone real well. We're getting closer to two months since he's been rehabbing. We'll get him to Vegas sometime in January, confident he'll be in the lineup this season. So that would imply they're not going to plan to hold him out until the postseason and bring him back from long-term IR when the salary cap no longer matters. That would imply they're going to bring him back in season, which means either A, the Golden Knights have enough significant injuries that they can bring Jack Eichel back and keep, say, a Max Pacioretty on long-term IR, or... It means the Golden Knights would have to trade somebody to bring Jack Eichel back. But he also said this, which I thought was fascinating. I've cautioned people in different discussions that I've had. He's likely to look like he's closer to being ready than he may be, that he may actually be. There's going to be the last piece where the body contact is what the doctors have to sign off on. So that may take some time. It'll take however long it takes. Now, this is me being like just assuming that they're going to be as shady as possible as an organization. Oh, when it comes to him. But here's here's what I when I see that, here's what I think. Jack Eichel returns to practice in a non-contact jersey, jersey. but he's not signed off for contact. So he can't actually play. But Jack Eichel can practice with the Golden Knights while doctors say, oh, can't handle the contact yet. Regular season ends. Playoff rolls around. He's cleared for contact. That way, he didn't play in a game, but he got to practice with the team for like a month. Yeah. They don't have to worry about the salary cap. Playoffs are here. Jack Eichel's yeah. ready to go. And he'll look like he, like McCurman said, he'll look great in practice. Probably. Especially if nobody can hit him. Yeah. I mean, if no one can touch the guy and he's as good as he is, then he's going to look pretty good. Again, that's me just assuming they're going to be like... They're going to try to handle this as shady as possible. Which... Now, why would you say that given their history? I can't believe you're saying that given their history when it comes to injuries. But that's what I would do. Oh, I would do it too. That's I mean, exactly you don't to, what I would you do. You don't have to worry about the cap, and it worked out for Tampa last year. Yeah. Or, it, it, to me, if I'm the Golden Knights, I'm either doing that 
or Max Pacioretty's not playing again this season until the postseason gets right. here. Like those, those are my. That, I'm doing one of those two things because this team can win a Stanley Cup, and all I've got to do, and and if I want to be fully healthy in the regular season, then you've got to trade somebody off this team. Or yeah. hello, Riley Smith. If I can just find a way to get to the postseason without having to trade somebody, yeah. Jack Eichel. Hey, yeah, uh, you're cleared to do everything but get hits. Mm, all right, playoffs are here. Let's right. go. Or yeah, Max, we know you've been ready to go for a couple of weeks, but you've been on the horizon for weeks. You just stay on that horizon in long-term IR because playoffs come, you're in, Eichel's in, and we didn't have to trade right. Riley Smith or anybody else. That's what I would do. Yes. No doubt about it because this team's it's going to be good. Look, it's, it's, without them, they're still going to win the Pacific right. unless something crazy happens. They're still going to get a high seed, and they'll still be fine. Yeah. If they, if they were to get to the postseason without moving anybody, right, and again – this is assuming full health, which we've learned is very stupid in hockey, especially this year. But you're conceivably, conceivably putting together three lines. One would be Stone, Pacioretty, Stevenson, right? That we've already seen is great. The other would be Carlson, Marshall, and Smith that we've already seen is great. And then Jack Eichel, Evgeny Dadnov, and Nick Waugh, Matias Janmark, whoever you want to play left wing on that line. That's three probably unbelievably good lines. Yeah. Like that's three yeah. awesome lines. And if you need to move Eichel up to the first line with Stone and Pacioretty, you can do that. But that, to me, that is an unbelievable lineup that should win the Stanley Cup. Yep. And if I'm if I'm McPhee and McCremmon, that's what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to get there without trading without Riley having to move Smith anybody, or without trying to trade Riley Smith. Or exactly one of the defensemen. Because also you got Petrangelo and Theodore and McNabb and White Cloud. Like your defensemen are very good too, as long as you don't have to move one. That'd be my goal if I was McPhee and McCremmon. So. If Patrick doesn't play again this year, I don't think that matters until the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to say that not in the playoffs because they would play him in the playoffs, right? But you add Eichel, you know, you add Eichel to that line. You could put someone else there. I, I, I think he'll be ready way before the playoffs. But you're right. You might have a discussion with him like this is what's best for everybody. Yeah. And you've been hurt what two, three times this year? Oh, you know it'd be great. Oh, God, I hope they do that now and wash those a fit. Because <laughs> Pacioretty's an Alan Walsh oh. cl- is it, client. Oh, they probably can't do it. Alan Walsh would throw a fit. Yes, if they if Pacioretty was ready to go with like a month before the I mean, season. I mean, there's no way DeBoer could DeBoer could handle two swords in the back. <laughs> I mean, he handled one and survived and still is still living. But if he gets another sword in the back, I just don't think he can survive well, that one. I mean, even if Pacioretty gets healthy, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. So you can send yeah. somebody to yeah. take care of the cap. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. All right, David. What's the dishwasher situation? Well, it's complicated. Oh, boy. Uh, it's been complicated <laughs> well, for three I, months. I wasn't here. I was in Maine. So, uh, But while we were in Maine, uh, our building super seems like he resigned because he wouldn't get vaccinated, which was a policy that the building had instituted. So who knows where we are right now? I might just sell the dishwasher and rent the small space under uh, where it used to be and just see if I can rent that out to uh, somebody as the third bedroom in the apartment. <laughs> in New York, you're going to get a lot of takers. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's $1,100 extra dollars a month. Exactly. That's nothing to sneeze at. 
<laughs> so you do you do not have a dishwasher. You have a dishwasher, but you still have, have not been able to it's, hook it up. It's where it's supposed to be. We can put dishes in it. But they wouldn't get any cleaner because it's not attached to an electricity source. <laughs> so that's crucial, I've, I've been told. I'm not an expert in this sort of thing, but it does seem like we're, I mean, we're one electrician visit away. I just don't know who I'm supposed to be clearing, you know, whatever, the half dozen rules that I have to clear before we can have someone in. Because, like, the guy who I used to text about that doesn't live here anymore. Not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah, at all. not ideal. Not what you want. But uh, you know, there's a lot of other great things going on in New York right now. Sixty-five uh, percent <laughs> of us have COVID, so that's cool. There's all kinds of you know, whatever. We can talk about something uh, better than my buildings super abruptly resigning the day after Christmas. Uh, you know, if you if you want. When when I was in New York like a month ago, you you walked by uh, a lot of what appeared to be testing centers, like in the middle of the street. We are oh. we are now waiting in Vegas four to five hours uh, in cars at UNLV oh. to try to just get a test, not not anything else. So how, given the numbers there, like how is it? Because it it just seemed walking around that was a lot of abilities to walk into a tent to get tested. Yeah, it actually, you know, it's weird. Like it was bad in the sense, you know, so I was inside for basically two weeks because I was positive, and so when I came out. I was surprised by uh, how much shorter the lines were. The test that I got that I wound up being positive on, I waited two hours outside a clinic, just like shuffling down the sidewalk to get it. And I'm honestly, I was glad to have it because I'd been isolating for like a week by then. So I was like, wow, outside, look at all these people yelling at each other. <laughs> Amazing. Only in New York. And then the time I, when I came back out uh, after Christmas or, you know, around Christmas when I was going up to Maine, there were, there's all those pop-up tents and they, you know, they had lines, but it was like 10 people or 15 people. Like it was the sort of thing you could do on your lunch break if you wanted to. And a lot of that stuff, it's same. It hasn't been that hard to get, um, you know, tests to do at home. Like it hasn't been easy, but it wasn't that hard. It's just to see like, you know, this is the city where it should be the easiest. I mean, there's a ton of money, there's a ton of resources and, you know, there's a lot of people here. So it's an easy market to sort of serve and to see that it was, like struggling to the extent that it was here, the extent that like, you know, turnarounds are like five to seven days on a PCR test now. Like it really makes me worry for the rest of the country. Like it just does not seem like, I mean, we had two years of this and it doesn't seem like anything's improved. I know this isn't about sports. It's just frustrating. It makes me wonder what, what was going on during that period, you know? Yeah, we've kind of given up. Yeah. I mean, it just does kind of feel like there's a sense where, like all of the, I was talking to my friends who are, teachers obviously both of course pop positive because that's what happens and i was like so whatever happened with the ventilation stuff because that sounded promising like weren't we doing something with that they were like oh yeah they they like spent the money on a consultant to tell them that it would be very hard to do it and then nothing happened <laughs> and like that was the extent to which they and this is like you know new york city public schools are not funded well but there's like for sure it's better than like philadelphia's public schools or whatever and like they, i don't know like what do we do instead of trying to drag i mean you don't want it to happen isn't there a sense everyone's going to get this eventually yes yeah i mean that's it's weird though because like i was saying that before omicron you know like when we were starting to do like we did a live recording of the distraction it was like you know, a couple hundred people or whatever 150 people in a underground club and it was all vaxxed and everything but i was like I was aware that this was like, that was a way that you could get it. And right. I was like, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later. It's easy to say that. And then like, it does suck to get it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it was like, when I got it, I was like, nice, like super immunity, two weeks off. Like I spent two weeks in the apartment. I was a crazy person. Like it stunk, but 
at the same time, yes. I mean, it does really feel like that's kind of the way it is. It's just, you know, it's such a different experience if you're vaccinated and boosted. Like, I had, like, you know, 48 mostly lousy hours of feeling like I was kind of sick. And then the rest of the time, I was just bored and watching movies. Uh, You wrote about John Madden and how every sport could use a John Madden. Is there anyone in basketball or baseball or hockey that comes even close? So this depends on how you thought this is a a very good uh, change in subject. So I'm about to talk about stuff I like instead of things I don't. (laughs) Uh, For me, and I'm biased on this because I grew up listening to Bill Raftery call Mets games as a kid. So, like, I have all kinds of, you know, like, memories that I didn't even choose to have, you know, when I was like 10 years old hearing him and Ian Eagle calling games. I love Raph. I think uh, Hubie Brown in a weird way. And I don't find Hubie Brown as charming as I found Madden, but he's like, he clearly loves basketball and he's just like, I and mean, he's so old. Hubie Brown's like in his eighties and he's still just there like diagramming plays as they happen and talking about the painted area, just like clearly super jazzed to be calling a basketball game. I think that that's, it's a lower bar because, like, Madden really was, like, you know, I wrote about this a little bit. I didn't know it. I wasn't alive. Like, he was the best coach of his era, and then he became the best broadcaster of his era, which is crazy. And I think that those are not necessarily skills that are transferable. Like, it's not like Belichick could quit tomorrow and be good at being on TV. You know, like, he's just a different type of guy. And so the idea of being able to do both those things is cool. Raftery and Brown was a much better coach, but like most of the guys that have become good basketball coaches, Vital was always really open about this. They've become good announcers. They weren't good coaches. They were just like, they were good at certain parts of it and they understood the game. It just didn't exactly happen for them. And so I think Vital, I loved as a kid. At this point, he's not really especially rigorous anymore, which is fine. I mean, he's a national treasure. I want him to live forever. And, you know, I'll listen to him call games and be happy to do it. But it's a different sort of thing. Like, I think for Madden, it was easy to write about, like, how much he loved football and how much he knew about it. I think uh, continuing to be interested in it was, like, the superpower, and that's a really hard thing to do. There's way fewer guys that have pulled that off. Do you have anyone you think is in his class? No. No. I I have to be honest with you. I was in my kitchen the other day, and there's background noise, and there's a game on, and Hubie Brown was on. I didn't even know he was still announcing. It's surprising, right? I mean, because he's been doing it like, I mean, he was an old NBA head coach before I was born. He's been calling games for as long as I've been alive, and I'm not the youngest guy anymore. And there's still, like, I don't know. Like, he still seems to to get it. That's the part that's really, like, when an announcer's fastball goes, like, you definitely notice it, especially color commentator guys, because it's all... It, suddenly it's all about like, you know, want to and like all the, the hustle stuff. Whereas like there's actually, you know, are really interesting technical things happening during every game. It's just like it's way easier to talk about the you know, talk about it like it's a morality thing. Which NFC East team is it better be a fan of? The New York Giants or the Washington football team? Oh boy. Well, I can only speak to my experience. Being a fan of the New York Giants has never been funnier than it is right now. <laughs> the guy that they hired is amazing. Like he's and they've had bad coaches. Like Ben McAdoo it was not a good coach. Uh, he was always kind of funny. As Mina Kimes once said, he always looked like he was wearing a disguise. He had like his little mustache and his sunglasses and was wearing weird clothes. And it wasn't like I thought it couldn't get worse than Ben McAdoo. Like I lived through Ray Handley coaching the team. They've hired guys. The dude that they hired now, uh, Joe Judge, who is a special teams coach for Bill Belichick, which is like, you know, it's more special teams coach experience than I have, for instance. Uh, 
definitely should not be a head coach of an NFL team and is such a strange and off-putting presence, even relative to other football coaches, that uh, it just does not. And the owners love him, so he's going to at least get another year. It does seem like they're going to change their GM. Washington's weird because, like, I think they probably would have made the playoffs if Fitzpatrick played all year. Like, the fact that they came as close as they did, it's just like, it's still such a repellent organization. And, like, the the stadium literally collapsing and dumping fans on their asses uh, is, like, I mean, it's not a metaphor. That really happened, like, two days ago. It's just such an obvious Daniel Snyder thing. And the one game I've been to there, I covered the game where Robert Griffin uh, tore up his knee. And I've never seen a field look like that. At a college game, I mean, in D3 where I went, like, I'd never seen a field look like that. It is unreal, the stuff that Snyder gets away with, like, in terms of how amateurish it is. And, like, you know, the Giants are are a mess. Um, Theoretically, they could hire a good coach and get better quickly. I don't, they don't really have a very good team. Washington, it just seems like any other owner and that team would win three more games every year and it, and they wouldn't play in a stadium that looks like that. It's just, yeah, grim. Do you have a suggestion for the nickname? I mean, all the ones that I've seen them propose today, they said that they will not be doing the wolves or red wolves due to litigation reasons. And I was like, you can come up with a bunch of reasons not to call your team the red wolves. Like it's, they seem very convinced that people need the word red to be in the name that like what they really liked was the slur and the football team was kind of incidental. So like if they, you know, whatever, I can't do this on the radio or whatever, but if they were like, we're calling the team, the Polish guy, that's what we, because we think you guys like that. Right. Cause they're, you know, with the screen doors, the submarines and stuff, you guys love that stuff. But, like that seems to be where the energy is there. Like they should just call them the hogs or something. Like take something that the fans came up with, do that. Let the fans have fun with it. The idea of like having this be branded to Daniel Snyder's like five foot five inch billionaire psychopath aesthetics is like that's a losing idea for sure. Well, he is David Roth from <laughs> Defector. <laughs> Makes you subscribe. Well, I was yelled all the time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> to the distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code Distract for a free month of Stitcher Premium. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, David. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. You too. Washington football team. Did he just say basically had their starting quarterback not injured himself on a water slide, the Washington football team (laughs) would would have made the playoffs? Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you guys remember that story, right? Some (laughs) random guy called into a radio station and was like, you know, I saw him go down the big slide and then he was limping around. And then a couple days later, uh oh, he's got a hip injury. It's a great story. Phenomenal. All right. Coming up next, how to get rewarded for not being very good at your job. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Later in the show, we're going to have tickets to Golden Knights and Blackhawks. Marc-Andre Fleury's return to Las Vegas and T-Mobile Arena. Um, All right. We'll add later in the show, we'll get to Las Vegas lights and oh. and a coach getting promoted. I do want to ask you about oh. the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Because He's never had a losing season. <laughs> Mike Tomlin has been a coach for 15 years in the NFL. He has not had a losing season in 15 years in the NFL. They beat the Browns last night, 26 to 14. It clenched guaranteed that they will not have 
a losing season, and it kept their playoff hopes alive. Steelers could still make the playoffs. Is that good, though? Like, when you hear this guy has not had a losing season in 15 years, is that good? He's got one title? One Super Bowl, one Super Bowl loss, um, and I believe one other appearance in the AFC title game. I mean, relative to a lot of people, I think it's good. It is. I mean, I think relative to a lot of people, he had a great quarterback for a lot, you know, for what, all of those years? I mean, the last two, I'd argue he hasn't uh, been okay, great. Okay, but okay. yes, for many of those years, he had a great quarterback. He has not had quarterback questions. No. Uh, I mean, the last two, there should yes. have been, but they Just have not been Regression on the quarterback. Right. I think it's good. I'll okay. tell you one thing. His entire resume is phenomenal. His top to bottom, his entire resume is great. I just, for whatever reason, I'm really annoyed at this idea that heh, he's never had a losing season in 15 years, and we're treating that like it's a good thing, like that that should be is rewarded. Is it a bad thing? No, but it 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 very much reminds me of like a college football team that's like, well. This guy's been to four straight bowl games. All of them the Arizona Potato right. Bowl. And it's like, cool. He went six and six and lost a bunch of those. They had six and like, sure, it's not bad. Uh, UNLV would take it. Uh, yes. But, and like the Raiders would take it. But if that's your bar is to simply not be seven and nine, like, I don't know. I just can't get away from the idea that that is so like we're celebrating mediocrity with this whole ah no losing uh, season. Again, he, he, his entire resume is great. The entire resume is phenomenal. He's a, I'm not saying he's not a good head coach. I just think it's funny that we're celebrating. Hey, he, he's going to be eight four, eight and one this I year. I think his I think he's better than a six and six guy. Three Arizona Bulls. He is. Yes, his entire I mean, resume yeah, is. I think but, he's better than that. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, here's he the last. It. He's done it for four years without a quarterback. His last four years: nine, six, and one missed the playoffs. Eight and eight missed the playoffs. Twelve and four made the playoffs. Lost the first game in the playoffs. Eight, seven, and one right now. Might so make the playoffs. nine, seven, or eight, eight, and one. Right. Again, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that but the last four years he's barely above 500 most years and he's going to have one playoff appearance in four years like again overall great resume i don't he's a great coach if if he gets fired by the steelers the raiders should hire him that the was second, my next the, the next question second later hire yes that guy. the next question to you is there anyone beyond is there anyone above in your mind mike tomlin if the raiders could get them I mean Belichick. No, but they no, can't no, get no. Him, but I mean, yes. no. Stuff. Uh, a person who has Lane yes. Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. No. <laughs> Mike Tom. Yeah, absolutely. No, okay. no doubt about it. Guys available. You hire the guy the sec. The second you see Adam Schefter tweet, the Steelers are firing Mike Tomlin. You hire the guy, right. and you give him the ten-year, hundred million dollar contract right. that you gave Gruden. But I'm just, I'm just annoyed with the whole like they won last night, and everybody was like, look at this, fifteen years, no losing record, and I'm like. Okay, like you don't play the sport to go eight and eight. Like that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, I, I look and more it's towards the, the full Steelers. Resume. It's not the Jags. I look the more Steelers towards expect full to resume. win Super Bowls. Yeah, I look more towards this full resume. And that's fine. Yes, as a whole. Yes, absolutely. Just Jared saying he hasn't had a quarterback for four years. That's. Yeah, maybe. Do you Probably remember fair. that? All right. So how was he in the twelve? How, well, how was he in the twelve to four? He, year? The ball I, got snapped behind him. During the, like the first play, that was last and, year. That was oh, last year. That was last year. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe he was better in the playoffs then, because all I remember is every single time being like, "Thank God he has wide receivers," because that man can't throw. He has been bad the last yeah. two years. There is no doubt about that. Roethlisberger has been very, very bad two years in a row. 
Let's see. His last four years, just going by pro football focus ranks, 6th, 18th, 6th, 27th, and then we'll see what this year is. 6th. All yeah. right. So he was not he was not completely dreadful until these last two seasons. Okay. Man. Basically what we're going after. I don't think, well, one, I don't think they're going to fire him. No. And I don't think uh, he's, well, he's going to. They're going to mutually part ways. <laughs> they're <laughs> consciously uncouple. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to ask because I've been annoyed with how many tweets I've seen about. Look at this guy, no losing. They records. all came out last night. Yes. Oh yeah, because they clinched an eight-win season right. and they have a tie in there, so they can't have a losing record. It's just like, God, that's eight not and an a half-win season, right? That's not an accomplishment. Like, come on. Like he's done other things in his career that are an actual accomplishment. Another question from that game: Baker Mayfield, sixteen of thirty-eight, one hundred eighty-five yards, two picks. The Browns have already picked up his fifth-year option, so he's got one year left on his rookie deal. He's going to get paid $18 million next year. They got to move on from him, right? Like, I know he's under contract for next year, but they've got to move on from that guy. Like, there's no way Baker Mayfield can be the quarterback of the Browns next year, or else they're just throwing away another season. They're throwing away a season. Like, we've seen enough. Yes. We've seen enough of Baker Mayfield. We know. The Mannings were very nice to him last night because I was watching the Manning. uh, Okay. I was watching the Manning episode with all the people talking. I finally made the decision to watch the NBA instead of bad football. But during halftime, I flipped over to the Mannings. My favorite thing about Peyton Manning and Eli, too, is how disgusted you can tell they are with bad plays. Yes. Like, there'll be a bad play, and they're just like, they'll they'll kind of be silent for a second and just sort of look around like, all right, how do we say this without being like, these guys bleeping suck? It's so great. Peyton kept saying, can you put Nick Chubb in the game? Because he's pretty good. (laughs) And why is he on the sideline with a jacket on?